Hey everyone, it's Jared with Destiny Ministries. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Just wanted to take a moment to remind you about our annual gathering conference coming up June 11th through 13th. We cannot wait to see you there. We're going to gather and worship with all of our family and friends at Christ Church in West Monroe, Louisiana, and it's going to be phenomenal. Hotel spots are filling up fast, and you can get registered today at www.destinyleaders.com forward slash the gathering. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. And now, enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Destiny Leaders Podcast, where we are dedicated to developing the leader in you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Destiny Leaders Podcast. I'm Phil Brassfield, and your host today, and I'm joined with a dear friend who's been a friend for a long time. Uh, His name's Titus Hofer. And uh, he is into missions, world missions, up to his ears. And you're going to be blessed by a great conversation we're going to have today. Titus, thanks for being in the studio with me today, and I'm excited to hear all the great things you have to say. For sure. So glad to be here. Yeah. I've always been impressed, Titus, with you. You're a great young man. I've always seen the hand of God on you, and and I'm... I'm a guy that knows leaders. I work with leaders all the time. And I've always been impressed with your heart and your character and your humility. And uh, we actually got acquainted really in China. Yeah. Yep. For the most part, uh, about 19, 19, 20 years ago. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Yep, that's right. So you were working with Ecclesia College at the time. Correct. And uh, leading some of those missions trips from the college. And I went with you on one of those to China. And why don't you just talk a little bit about what we were doing there? Yeah, um, we had an opportunity to go and serve the Chinese church, the underground church there. You know, they have so many pastors, people who are leading, when we say pastors, leading house churches, but often house churches of 300, 400 people that are meeting in various locations at various times throughout the week, or or people who are over really deacons over multiple villages where they're traveling every week to go to different places, and they just have so little biblical training. And so one of the ways that the the church here in the States can, can go help them, um, they don't need our help doing evangelism or discipleship or those things, but they just need Bible knowledge, good training. So we would take American pastors, destiny pastors, over for just you know five days or so and just teach and train some very some selected um, people in these house church networks, and they would just eat it up. I mean, pastors were worn out teaching 10 hours a day, but they loved doing it, and the Chinese yeah. pastors were just were just eating it up, and like, we could stay for longer. And so, to the point where on our, our day off, uh, all, the, all the American pastors just want to spend more time with the Chinese pastors, and, yeah. and likewise. So, it I, was wonderful. I got in on some of that, and I'll tell you, I, I have to say... <clears throat> I think the thing that kind of blew my mind away when when I was there is the idea that I was being able to do something in the kingdom for the first time for many of them. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that we were sharing, it was the very first time they had ever heard that or had ever been exposed to that. And that's not something that happens very often in the life of a, a Western Christian leader. For sure. That you get to do something for the first time. And so yeah. I grew a lot, and we had a lot of pastors go and, and make those trips. It was great. And that's kind of how we got acquainted, you and I. Yep. And so here we are 20 years later. You left the college actually about six years or so yeah. ago. 
and went to work for a missions organization. So missions became your life. Yes. So uh, what was the name of that missions organization? It's, Tell the people a little bit about that. Yeah, it's called the Center for Mission Mobilization. And it's a little bit different take on, on missions. When I joined six years ago, we're just switching from mobilizing the American church to send more missionaries. And our focus became 100% on how do we help the global church? How do we help our brothers and sisters all around the world who love Jesus, who know the Bible, but don't really have a mission vision? How do we come alongside them and lift up their mission vision so that they can start sending missionaries to people who've never heard about Jesus? Wow, so it's like a mobilization program for mobilizing indigenous leaders to train their own missionaries. Wow, what a cool concept. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And, and God is doing that around the world. There's just so many people that they just need a little bit of help. Like those Chinese pastors, they're doing it. Just what role can we play in the West to come along and say, hey, we've got some resources, some experience, um, some manpower. What can we do to help you do this? Yeah, and it's I mean, you've focused a lot on um, Muslim countries and Tell the po- folks a little bit about that, because it seemed like one time I'd hear from you and you were in Tibet, you know, <laughs> the next time it was like some Muslim country or you were working with those indigenous leaders, and I find that very fascinating. Yeah, you know, there's just, you know, Jesus tells us to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest fields. And there are some fields that are, that are man, need a lot of ground to be plowed, but there are some fields that are just ripe. And how can we come alongside any of those, just follow Jesus wherever he's leading us? But there are some right mission fields out there right now that we want to take advantage of. And uh, like one of those in Germany right now, so many refugees coming to Turkey, to Greece, to Germany from Syria and the Middle East. And some of these people, you know, five, six years ago in Syria, there's no way an American Christian, any missionary could get to them and share the gospel. And and in those situ- those Muslim countries, those uh, if they even questioned the Quran, it could be a death sentence for them. Wow. And so there's just such little access. And now, you know, God God moves in whatever in whatever ways he sees fit, but he's going to use every opportunity. Well, now those same Syrians are and others are sitting in Germany in refugee camps, literally a 10-minute drive away from evangelical Bible-believing Christians. And so we're in Germany, yeah, trying to help the refugees, but really helping the German church reach out to these refugees who are questioning a lot of things. Why did we have to leave? What's going on with Islam? Is this really what I want to follow? And they're open and ready and willing to hear the gospel. You know, I think it's interesting, too, when when you and I were talking about that off the air, you know, um, it was interesting to me when you think about it that we get kind of uh, immersed or distracted by the political ramifications. Yeah. And sometimes in the, the middle of the confusion of the politics, we forget the opportunity spiritually that's there. Yeah. And I love what you, know, what you guys were doing because you were focused on no matter what people's politics are on these issues. The truth is we have a spiritual opportunity to impact and penetrate a closed culture with the gospel you know, and so I would encourage our listeners. I mean, you, no matter what your politics are about immigration, and we know that's a hot button yeah. topic now in the United <clears throat> States, and we know the challenges that have come to Europe because of this 
immigration. But yet, as you said, there are windows of opportunity that we can evangelize people and then them go back, potentially, into those cultures as Christians instead of Muslims. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. And of the Syrian Christians that have, have had to flee um, Syria and coming in and having them become part of the Christian church in, uh, in Germany. But even one of the things, a bunch of Iranians who have fled Iran living in Germany, the German church has reached out to them. They've become Christians, and now their Iranian church is reaching out to the Syrian refugees to bring them to Christ. Oh, my goodness. And so, how the, cool is that? that the is kingdom awesome. of God, you know, Jesus just does his things, and yeah, the political sides of things are, are, are crazy, but Jesus gives us an opportunity. He gives us today is the day of salvation. And how can we as the church, our local church, our, our fellowship of churches, our global church, how can we as brothers and sisters grab the opportunity that Jesus is giving us today? Amen. You know, something you said, again, in our conversation leading up to this podcast, uh, you mentioned the fact that as the evangelical Christian church, the Western church is only about 20%, if I'm remembering yeah. your statistics right. And so 80% of the body of Christ are non-Western. Yeah. You know, I mean, wow, for us that, you know, we think that, well, everyone's an American Christian. Right, you know? and it's it's crazy. You think about what missions has done in the last 50, 60 years. It's totally flipped that it used to be Westerners were the, were the majority of evangelical Christians. But missions has worked. If you've been involved in missions, like, it's worked in Africa, in South America, in parts of Asia, and now... The evangelical church, 80% are from those places. And what an exciting, awesome thing. What we haven't done as well as is passing on the baton of missions. And so even though the, it's 80% of, of evangelical church, you know, 450, 500 million evangelicals in these places, they haven't really picked up that torch of, oh, it's our responsibility. It's our privilege to take the Great Commission, to, to enact that and go to the unreached people around them. Man, and it's such an amazing uh, opportunity. And, and, you know, we kind of, again, if we hear all the things the media tells us, then we can believe that Christianity struggling, it's in decline, and it's like going to be, you, you know, I think it was Voltaire yeah. back in the day that said, you know, in a hundred years the Bible will only be seen in a museum, in some dark corner of a museum. And eventually his home, I was told, became <laughs> yeah. a, a, owned by the American Bible Society. Yeah. Is literally, you know, so we should never, do not count the church out. I mean, yeah. no matter what you hear, uh, if you're listening today, no matter what you read, do not count the body of Christ. Christ out because as long as he allows time, the Lord allows time to remain, the church has an assignment yeah. and will have the anointing and the provision to meet that if we're listening and will respond. Yeah. And the organization you're part of, I love I just love what I hear about it because it's doing things like that, thinking outside the box. Okay, here are refugee camps, how can we you know, how can we uh, affect them? And yeah. it was funny that you came to visit me this week because I had this conversation with Jonathan Suber, who's one of our Destiny uh, members and, a, and a, a powerful man of God who's pastoring a church in Rock, Round Rock, Texas. But he brought to my attention, he said, you know, in Africa, there are a couple of areas with 
filled with refugees, mm-hmm. and we have incredible opportunities in those refugee camps. So then you come in and talk <laughs> about it. It's like, okay, God, what are you saying? Here? Yeah, you know. And I love how the Lord works in His body. Yeah, and it, it's amazing. It's not just refugees, although those people are needy physically. And uh, and our focus on them because they come from ethnic groups that have no churches, have no witness to right. the gospel. But everywhere, all around the world, the Christians, the, the global church has never been larger. It's never been more ethnically diverse. It's never been more geographically diverse. And there are Christians who are in the same regions, in the same countries, in the same cities as unreached people groups. And it really is, how do you help these Christian believers take that step to go across town and go into a a neighborhood they don't usually go into to befriend Somali Muslims or Tibetans or Uyghurs and learn how to share the gospel with them? It's a big, it's a hard, it's sometimes a dangerous thing, but the church is so close to the unreached. And how do we help just say, yeah, the Holy Spirit's empowering you to do this. Go do this. You know, it's funny that geography in the mind sometimes is more profound than physical geography because we can be one street over yeah. from another part of the world and just not have it on our radar. Right. It's just like, you know, think, oh, well, I want to go to, you know, I'm afraid to go to Somalia. Or I'm afraid to go to Yemen. Yeah. And forget the Yemenis, you know, shopkeeper that's just two blocks over. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. And I think that's, again, another perspective of missions that I think is very helpful to bring to our audience attention today is that with the diversity of the nation and with uh, immigration and not just here but in Europe the world has come to us right and there's an opportunity to penetrate these no-go zones previously yeah. with with the gospel by simply being friends with someone of a different race that's in your neighborhood yeah and I could talk for a long time and we just actually made a prototype resource of how do you welcome uh, ethnic groups that are live around you, and that works in the United States, that works in Germany, that works in Africa, that works in China. It's just everywhere mm-hmm. to to learn how to do this. And we, and it's not just Americans who don't think about crossing the street. Just real quick, one of our teams in a in Kenya, mm-hmm. what they do, and all of our teams around do very similar things. But the Kenyan Christians. They, we'd, we'd take them through the Bible. They're excited about like, oh my goodness, it's here, here in the Bible. Jesus loves all the nations. How do I share the gospel with a Muslim? And so we say, well, do you have any Muslim friends? Oh, no, no, no. I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't spend time with Muslims. Okay. Um, well, there's a lot of Somali refugees here, Somali immigrants. Like, uh, where do they live? Oh, I'm a Kenyan. We don't talk to Somalis. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, um, let's go to the mosque and meet someone. Oh, no, I would never go to a mosque. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that prejudice or that, that step, nobody wants to do that. And so what our teams will do is they'll go make friends with Somali Muslims, invite them over to their apartment, uh, make friends, learn how to have spiritual conversations with them, and then invite their Kenyan Christians over. And so if you have this picture of this American sitting in Nairobi, Kenya, on his couch with a Somali Muslim on one side and a Kenyan Christian on the other side, both grew up in Nairobi but would have never talked to each other. My goodness. And here it is, the Kenyan Christian is learning how to be friends with this Somali Muslim, learning how to have spiritual conversations, often leading them to the Lord, and then figuring out what do we do now with this. And so not only is that amazing ministry in Nairobi, but once the Kenyan Christian does that, 
and you get one, two, 10, 20, 50 college students, young professionals doing that, they're like, I could go to North Africa and be a missionary because that's all this is, right? Yes, that's all this is. Wow, this is, man, this is New Testament stuff. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's, it's 2019 first century stuff. Yeah. Because this is, in many ways, the way the gospel spread throughout the entire world at that yep. point, known world at that time, was just relational evangelism. Yeah. How people made, you know, and I think one of the things amongst the many bad things of the Roman Empire, one of the things that it did do, is it provided the, you know, pay, we always talk about pave the streets yeah. for the gospel. But what what does that mean? That means it allowed for the first time the cross-pollination of cultures right. and different nations under kind of one general umbrella. Yeah. And and that's how it happened. I mean, and so even on the, the day of Pentecost, the book of Acts, it's amazing how God intended the yeah. world to hear the gospel. <laughs> yeah, and and even as it kept going out, I could still talk through a bunch of things with that, but the church in Antioch had a multi-ethnic leadership team, and it was that it was when Jews left, shared with Gentiles, a, the first Jewish Gentile church started in Antioch. They had a multi-ethnic leadership team. Uh, Barnabas went and got Saul, who became Paul, yeah. and then out of that is what the Holy Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas and became the first missionaries to the Gentiles out of this multi-ethnic church. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, that is And so cool. we need, as the body of Christ, we need each other. And the American church has great get things to give. The, the Chinese church does, the Indonesian church, the Indian church, the Kenyan church, the Ethiopian church. How do we work together to be everything that God wants his church to be. And this mobilization is one um, just niche role of saying, how do we be part of the body of Christ and help our brothers and sisters do what God's called them to do? Such a great need and such a innovative. You know, I, I, I think that uh, a lot of what we're going to see today, and when I'm talking with leaders a lot, I talk about innovation. Yeah that we're looking for the Holy Spirit to innovate through His body. And then we celebrate those innovations. Everything doesn't have to look the same. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to be one culture. Everything doesn't have to be... I mean, the truth is, the more innovative we become, the more effective uh, and efficient, I think, we become. Uh, so, for our listeners today, let's do a couple things. Yeah. Tell me... I mean, play a little game here, okay? <laughs> so, tell me one of the coolest places you've ever been. Um, I, the coolest place, I was in Bhutan, which is a little, it's a Buddhist kingdom north of uh, India, south of Tibet, China. And But it, it's an, it's the most beautiful place in the world. It's in the foothills of the Himalayas, but they it's also just super demonic. It's Tibetan Buddhism, and literally every day, every family has an altar room where they take out their literal idols and burn incense to them. And so the demonic is is super real. Every kid is named after a local deity. So you don't have a last name to know what your family name is. You have a local God's last name. So everyone knows, Oh, you belong in this village to this God. Oh my goodness. It's wow. Terrible. But you know, even there, the church is moving forward. Yeah. Even there in those dark places, I met a lady, uh, who, who had raised three people from the dead and two of them were cold when she started praying for them, but she'd been saved because she'd been miraculously healed. And so relationship <laughs> and, and miracles, you know, it's, it's those things. And you know, that sounds a lot like what Jesus did too. Absolutely. Okay. What's the scariest place you've ever been? Um, probably in a back alley in China at one point. 
and uh, was with some people and suddenly thought, this might not be where I should be at. Um, it turned out fine. It was okay. But, uh, um, yeah, sometimes you just, uh, on your adventures, you get a little off track. Yeah, okay, so what is the most uh, exciting thing that you can remember? Maybe besides the back alley thing. Be- like, yeah. You know, outside of death defying, what's the most <laughs> exciting? It's like, wow, that's why God's called me to do this. Yeah, it was leading, um, I mean, I've had a number of them, but leading high school kids to Mexico where, you know, these suburban, just wealthy kids are like, I brought, brought $300 to spend on in, in Mexico. Is that going to be enough? You know, they just have no idea of the world. And seeing seeing their eyes open to the need in front of them, but watching 14 and 15-year-olds invite people into a relationship with Jesus. And there was a... Um, there was, yeah, real quick, this four, this group of three girls talked to this lady in their terrible Spanish. She came to our program, and uh, and it started raining. We're jumping in the vans. I'm like, where are these three girls? And I look over, and these three 15-year-old girls are surrounding this probably 45-year-old woman who's on her knees just weeping before the Lord. And all these other women from the church are around there. And my translator said, oh, she's confessing her sins and she's, she's, she's repenting. She's getting saved. <laughs> and it, it was these three 15-year-old girls that God used. And, and it's just story after story of, of literally multiplying bags of food. And it wasn't me. It was literally they, these, again, 15, 16-year-old girls were like, we don't have enough bags of food for every family that's in the line. And I said, well, just keep handing them out till they're gone. They literally handed out the last bag of food to the last person. And they're like, Titus, God multiplied the bags of food. I swear, every time we turned around, there was just another bag of food. I mean, how can you get more excited than than that? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So there's often a lot of young leaders that are associated with destiny. Yeah. The Leadership Institute and so they're interns serving around the country. We believe that God is calling some of them to missions. What would you challenge or encourage them with today, Titus? Um, that that you know, what would be one or two nuggets or thoughts that you would give to them to say, look, don't just look past missions as a you know, in other words, just we have a lot of church planners. Yeah, you know, it's great. Thank God He's calling people to plant church, great churches and life giving churches. But, you know, in every demographic, we believe there's a portion of that that God right. is separating and sanctifying for national, international service. Right. So, how, you know, if I'm, you know, what would you say? Yeah, you know, I know for me personally, when I was 20 years old in the year 2000, I read a statistic that in, in my ministry lifetime, from when I was 20 to when I'm 60, hopefully I'll be ministering longer than that, but the the population of the world that doesn't have access to Jesus will double. So in my lifetime, about 5 billion people will be born in parts of the world that don't have access to the gospel. Wow. And that struck me to say, God, what is my life worth? Wow. If I don't do something about this. And so there's a lot of great things to do. Stay close to the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. But the need is so great. And it's not our job to go save China but it's our job to say, God, what's the role you want me to play? 
and to say these people who have never heard about Jesus as a cuss word, as a religious figure, Jesus died for them too. Mm. And I grew up in a Bible-believing family in a nice little town in rural Kansas. I had all these opportunities, and I would love to spend my life giving somebody else that opportunity who's never heard before. Amen. So, so great. So what would be a way that a young person listening could do more than just pray? And that's certainly the first step is to pray for the persecuted church to pray for the body of Christ, 80% of which is outside (laughs) the Western culture. Uh, But beyond that, what would be a pathway or two? What would you suggest if someone says, man, I I hear that and there's something resonating in my heart, uh, what would be a few steps that you would suggest they take? Yeah, I mean, talking to your church leaders about what what avenues are already set up within your your churches or areas of who you could explore some missions, take a vision trip. It's okay, go, go... just go work, get a 1500 bucks, and go see it firsthand. Go somewhere to see it firsthand. But also, you probably, if you look around, there, if there's a university campus next to you, they're international students. If, there's, if you're within an hour drive of a big city, you're going to find people from other ethnicities, Pakistani people, you know, Iranian people here, Chinese people. Go make some friends. Go make some friends with people that are different than you. Probably Will it be first hard? Step, isn't it? Yeah, just, just make a friend. Yeah, make a friend. In, in, have enjoy, eat their food, ask them a lot of questions about their country. Everyone loves talking about themselves and their country. They will love that. You'll make a friend. You'll start having some spiritual conversations. And for a lot of our the people that we work with, once you have a friend named Muhammad. And you say, oh, he's he's lost and he is scared and he's far from home. He needs Jesus. And suddenly it's not, oh, it's scary to talk to him about Jesus. It's my friend needs Jesus. Wow. How do I help my friend? And really, if you can befriend people in America and just talk to them about Jesus and maybe read the Bible, there's different tools, Discovery Bible Study. There's some really simple, easy things that you don't have to be that well trained in to let the Bible speak for itself. You do that. Here, my goodness, you can do that anywhere in the world. But making those friends and those relationships, that's a big deal. Wow. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, I have, thoroughly. And there's going to be a show note uh, portion, so if you'd like to get the show notes from today's program, uh, you can certainly do that. Uh, Maybe we'll publish these notes that you've brought, and there are some great facts and figures and some information there may be a few other things that you'd like to throw in so we encourage you to uh to download those show notes uh, on the website it's right there where the podcast is and if you haven't subscribed to the destiny leaders podcast we encourage you to do it also it'll be out uh you know circulating on social media platforms we encourage you to share it with your friends Uh, particularly this conversation. I I really feel that burden today, that this is a great opportunity for us to get the word out. Uh, Titus has been part of Destiny for 20 years and uh, has been to many of the meetings, and we've been uh, in in at least some small way supporting their ministry, and you've been part of that. And so find out more about their, um, their ministry. Titus, how can they do that? How can they find out more specifically about the organization you're part of and what you and your family are doing? Yeah, mobilization.org is our website. And, uh, and then if you want to get a hold of me, just Titus 
period Hofer at mobilization.org. Hofer is H-O-F-E-R. Man, really shoot me a shoot me an email, and I'd love yeah. to connect, and, and we'll find a time just to talk. Uh, th- that contact information will also be in the show notes, and so uh, both on the website and also for Titus' email. And I don't know anyone personally that is more engaged and has been for years in exotic places in the world reaching uh, a lot of young people for Jesus Christ than Titus Hofer. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, Titus, won't you pray with us and pray with our listeners today yeah. and just lead us in prayer uh, before we let you go today. What yeah. a pleasant, pleasant you know, opportunity it's had, a pleasure to have you, yeah. and I've enjoyed our conversation so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, Father, you are good and you are wonderful. Thank you for how good and kind and powerful you are. Thank you that you love people, this whole world that you've sacrificed this whole world, that you, Jesus, you died and your blood has redeemed people from every tongue and tribe and language and people. And God, we want you to receive the glory that you deserve. Father, bless each and every one of us to know how, how we're supposed to play our role in the Great Commission. In all the other things you've called us to, God, give each one of us who are listening now just renewed vision of you, renewed power by your Holy Spirit, Uh, Remind us to pray to send out laborers like you told us to. And God, give us just open doors and courage to walk through them so that we can do the things that you're asking us, inviting us to do. Yes. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Titus, for joining me today. And thank you all for listening today. Uh, And, you know, remember at the Destiny Leaders podcast, we are absolutely committed to developing the leader in you. We'll see you next time. And until then, God bless you. Uh, You know we're always standing by to serve. If you need us, give us a shout. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Leaders podcast. If this episode has inspired you in any way, we'd love for you to take a moment and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like a copy of today's notes, visit destinyleaders.com forward slash show notes. You can also sign up to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox when they are released. Join us next time as we continue to develop the leader in you.